The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. And a thank you again to all of you, my friends, who have joined me for today. I've had a very positive response to the title for the show, and so I I hope that uh, a lot of you are looking forward to this. It's actually a fairy tale. I love to write fairy tales. I've written several of them. But a fairy tale opens doors to our understanding that just putting facts in a line or or a stack of facts uh, just cannot do. So... It's a fairy tale, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But the title of it is what is most interesting. It's called The Fish and the Atheist. I'll explain that a little bit more later, so you see if you can figure it out as we're going. And we'll take a couple breaks along the way, and I think I can get all the way through. Okay, ready. Once upon a time, in the land of rationality, there lived an atheist who had never gone fishing. He claimed they didn't like fish, though no one knew exactly uh, if they could believe his story or not since he had never tasted fish. He just said he knew that it didn't taste good. After all, fish smelled bad and they were too slimy for his taste or lack thereof. For you see, the atheists had been struggling for years over issues of thinking and believing and knowing and not knowing and proof of either objectivity, subjectivity, or what is or is not evidence of anything at all. There were days when he didn't understand the difference between knowing for sure and knowing nothing at all. Did he know for certain about nothingness? Or was that nothingness the result of a belief in what he did not know? One day when he was caught with his rational pants down, he decided that he honestly didn't know if he liked fish or not. Being caught in such a terrifying moment of honesty and not knowing, he had to act. Then, with not a small amount of vacillation and uncertainty, His beliefs were being shaken, as if being tossed about like a dry leaf on a windy day. In the midst of all that uncertainty, the atheist decided to test his belief in not liking what he had never tasted. At that moment, a not-so-insignificant dilemma arose in his mind, scattering what had just before seemed almost unshakable, not knowing how to fish, and before This hadn't been an issue, but suddenly he had to admit to himself that he just didn't know. And all of that thrust him into an oh-no scenario of what if I can't figure this one out? Living for so long on his head where he controlled everything, or so he thought, he was in that moment experiencing the first ray, the first light of something coming through a small crack in his mental armor. 
Admitting that he didn't know something was an experience he had sealed off from his mental kingdom years and years ago. That shaft of light, however, was destined to grow immensely, no matter how hard he might try to resist. But by now, this man felt he had to know what fish really tasted like, so he continued on his journey. Off to the library he went, his favorite place to reinforce his mental need for control and also to assuage a fear of losing his status and power that he wielded over others through mental superiority. In all this, he had forgotten that the fear of losing is always what takes us to the dark side. Somewhere on the pages of those books, he found only theory about fishing and words that described various aspects thereof, but words that also fell far short of actually doing it. His frustration mounted, but questions of where and when and how to fish still remained, along with the issues of which bait to use and which techniques. Suddenly, he realized that or remembered, rather, a small fishing village several miles from his childhood hometown. In that moment came a flash of insight. He knew he must talk with that old fisherman there and find out how to fish for real. And with that, that well, excuse me, and so at the point of almost giving up on the whole idea, the result of having talked with a fisherman for hours and the vast amounts of information about different ways to fish and different kinds of fish to catch and different techniques for each one was overwhelming for a man of his lack of experience. He realized that actual fishing was far more in his mind than he could fathom. In this moment, anyway, it was true. He could either give up on a silly idea or be honest enough to go find out. The old man that he asked to go with him and teach him how to fish was reluctant to spend any time on such a novice. After all, he mostly preferred to sit on the porch and talk with the past memories, uh, about his past memories with fishing with all of his buddies. He was by now lost in his past more than wanting some new fishing experience. And at that moment, a young boy who'd been listening said, I'll go with you, sir. I'll show you how. Another, oh, no, came up in the man's head. But what was he to do? He already felt absolutely foolish in his admission of not knowing. So what the heck? Let's go, kid, came out of his mouth, and off they went. Not really understanding the depths of the adventure he had just begun, the atheist pushed everything to the back of his mind except the real taste of fish. The lake was chosen, and the boy gathered together the equipment and the bait as they got into his small rowboat at the best time of the day for fishing for in that place, and they set off for the boy's special fishing hole. Thinking this adventure would be over soon, the man felt he'd have time later in the day to prepare his notes for his next lecture. Wrong. The lad knew by experience that one must approach fishing with the heart, not just the head. So he took the man on an adventure of that perspective, stopping first where he knew there would be no fish at that time of day, then using the wrong bait, then using the wrong technique or the wrong approach. And with each of those experiences, the man was growing more and more impatient. When the man was about to give up, the wisdom of the lad had already taken them to the spot where the worms went on the hooks. And in the next couple of hours, the man's experiences grew to include far more than he had thought possible. 
from watching a bobber for the very first time, the man was learning about some of the most elementary of all fishing principles. Later, he would taste fish for the very first time. But meanwhile, he experienced the one that got away, actually quite a few times until he learned when to pull up his fishing pole and when to wait just a little bit longer. Then, the sheer delight of catching his first fish was suddenly his experience, but it was too small, and the boy convinced him to throw it back or it would die if he just sat there looking at it for too long. Then, taking it off the hook, feeling the slimy scale, seeing blood in the fish's mouth, and feeling the pain of that sharp hook on his fingers, he freed the fish that was now desperately flopping about, gasping for water. He tossed it back. Now what? He asked the boy. Try again, was the answer. So having gotten past the feelings of his first foolish sorry, I lost my place here, of his first attempt, and he had been feeling foolish for a couple of hours by now. The man had nothing more to lose than his pride. If he failed to catch a keeper, and later, of course, he could all explain it away as a fiasco if he needed to. The boy was catching up and with the, the man's previous thoughts, and upon catching a particularly interesting fish, he decided to put it in a bucket of water and take it home for his small pond. The adventure continued. A few more bobs of the bobber, another miss or two, and suddenly the bobber went out of sight. Pull, shouted the boy, as the man almost fell out of his boat. Catching his balance, he pulled and pulled until he landed his keeper. In the ensuing moments, he never realized that the impact of this experience would later, what it would have on his life and the false certainty with which he had been holding some rather rigid opinions. Knowing that if he didn't quickly take charge of the moment, the boy grabbed the fish, preventing the loss of it, and chaos returned to quiet. A quiet so loud that the man was shaking in the aftermath of his new experience. Having reached his goal of catching a fish, he now faced another dilemma, how to prepare the fish for tasting that he had been anticipating since the moment he chose to go on this adventure. Now what? He queried of the boy. Time to clean the fish. Cook it. Eat it. The boy responded without knowing that the man didn't have a clue as to how he might do any of that. <laughs> so, they headed back to the shore where the boy cut off the head of the fish and gutted it, washed it, filleted it, and dropped it into a hot skillet. Thoughts of all he'd experienced in the last few hours raced through not only the man's head, but somehow was troubling his inner composure and the lack thereof. As the fish was cooked, the time of the atheist's life was at hand, actually tasting what he had never tasted before. When he did, he wasn't sure if he liked it or not, but that issue would not be decided on that day. That night, as he drifted off to sleep, he was unaware of what was about to come into his definitions of what the day had yielded. Then, with a last sigh of both fatigue and uncertainty, he drifted off to sleep. It was in the dream that was about to happen 
wherein he would ask himself some questions he had never before asked. Images flashed through his dream. The fish he threw back, both fish gasping for water, the fish in the bucket, his keeper, its death, and his having caused that death just so he could get a taste of its flesh, and much more. Understanding that those fish had probably never experienced air before, they could neither breathe it as he does, and a thought came over him, a thought that was to change his life forever. Had those fish ever discovered water? Or was water so natural to them that they hadn't noticed yet? They were born there, They'd lived their whole lives there, and unless they'd been caught and thrown away before, how would they know what air is? How would they know what water is? Was water a reality in their consciousness or just a reality that was never noticed or questioned because in all their life experiences they had been with, they had never understood as really existing? They knew how water felt, what swimming was, the experience of having oxygen sustain their lives by water passing through their gills. But what did they know about water? There, the bottom of the lake, totally surrounded by it, existing in it, sustained by it, immersed in it since the day they hatched, they had never had a reason to question the existence of water until, until they were unexpectedly jerked up out of the water and hit into a hitherto unknown world air. But as the dream continued, he tossed and turned a bit more as he saw fish everywhere. There were the bottom feeders who had never known about air. There were the trout that were jumping up into the air and catching insects. They knew about the air as their means of moving about, but they knew nothing about the water, the insects that is. There were salmon leaping up the rapids as they returned to their birthplace, jumping through the air, but not seeming to understand that air meant life for those with lungs instead of gills. Time for a break right now. We'll be right back to the atheist and the fish. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. 
Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Liberating Jesus from Christianity. Available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So we're fishing today. We're pondering, we're wondering, we're catching fish and wondering what it all means. So in the dream, as it switched back to the fish that the atheist had thrown back, he could see that the fish whose mouth was damaged by the hook exceedingly still as it was down below pondering a thousand thoughts. Having experienced air for the first time and unable to breathe it, breathe it in, or more accurately, unable to extract oxygen from it, that fish wondered why it used its gills. The fish was wondering, what is water, really? What was that thing called air? What keeps me alive here submerged in water, he pondered. It seemed to be wondering all kinds of thoughts. And then, how can those beings I saw out of the water exist without water? Why did they hurt me? Why was swimming really necessary? What is it, and why is it so easy? Who and what were those EAs, I call them the extra Aquarians, (laughs) from another planet. And who and what are these other creatures here in the water with me that do not have gills like me? And ad infinitum, the dream went on and on. What about the fish in the bucket that was destined to the prison of that small pond instead of the lake it had known? Would the safety of that pond be a good trade for freedom? Will it ever escape? Hmm. Will it, too, be killed one day and eaten? Has that fish discovered water yet? What does it mean to fish, to the fish, rather, who are suddenly jerked up into a new reality? What does it mean? What is this thing that is called air, but they don't know what to call it? What is the lack of water? What about all the fish who get caught or die long before they come to know the reality of discovering water? Briefly awakening, enough to silence the dream that was by now shaking him to the core, he settled back into the silence. He was not prepared for the coming experience. As he slipped unknowingly back into his sleep, he found himself walking down a trail with only a faint light of an impending dawn to make his pathway visible. He knew not where he was, nor did he know to where he might be going. Walking as if he had no destiny in mind, suddenly he felt that he was no longer alone. An eerie feeling crept over him 
as he began to toss and turn in his sleep once again. That eerie feeling quickly turned into not a small amount of fright when he heard, Wait up, my friend, coming from behind him on the trail. Not sure if he should run, protect himself, or what. Many thoughts raced through his mind as his quandary intensified. Almost frozen in indecision, his mind was of no help in this moment as the flight-or-fight syndrome was closing in upon him. As the image of a man about his own size and stature came eerily closer, he could see no reason to stay in fear, though the hooded figure was by now much closer. "'My friend, may I walk with you?' queried the voice of the one who had now stopped walking and was waiting for his response. "'Who are you?' came erratically out of his mouth. Just an old fisherman, was the reply. I heard about your catch, your first fish, from the boy who was with you. You learned quickly. Great catch. May I join you? But by now his trauma had subsided into a more pleasant uncertainty as he answered, "Uh, Well, uh, sure. Where, Where are you going? I'm going to a deeper place. Not too many miles from here. And you, still shaking a bit, he said, well, frankly, I don't know. And if you really knew me and my past, that's a statement that you know I would have rarely ever made. I know, the guest replied. Puzzled by that response, he dared not in this moment ask how the man could possibly know that. But walking in silence for a distance, still wondering, thoughts raced again through his mind, feeling a sort of strange kinship with this stranger. The silence was broken with, that was a nice fish you caught this morning. Been fishing often? Almost embarrassed to admit it, he shyly replied, well, no, actually, uh, actually that was my first time ever. You see, I had never tasted fish before, and it was time to taste it and see what it actually tasted like. But, you know, I'm, I'm still confounded by it all. Confounded by fishing? Oh, uh, oh no, not by fishing, but rather by the fish I caught and threw back. I mean, that haunts me yet. And it's about the two vastly different realities his confidence growing the more he slipped back into his head. The world of water and the world of air are so vastly different, yet they are remarkably similar at the same time. I'm in awe of what I saw, and while I know it sounds weird, I wonder what that fish might be experiencing. The total shock of having been jerked up into a reality totally unknown to it before, and being in the control of two humans, whatever we were to it, Humans that caused it pain and suffering, uh, struggling for oxygen. Well, you know, I just wonder. That fish had to have experienced great relief at being thrown back into the water. But then what? Did it go deeper to avoid any more hooks? Did it go and warn the other fish? What possibly could have been happening in its mind after the horror of having been caught? I had a dream about all that, you know. Then after another time of pensive silence, the stranger began to speak. 
So who are you, my friend? Who are you, really? Beyond all your past experiences, within all of your mental gymnastics, and all that you've thought through, as you like to say, you have put your own definitions onto everything. You don't really understand. And someone you, you think, or I just lost my place again, sorry. You have put your own definitions onto everything you don't really understand. And somehow you think that those labels are the whole picture. You know better. If only you had the courage to admit it. Congratulations on your choice to step out of that as you chose to actually taste fish for real. Now that you've done that, your life will never be the same. The greatest adventure a human can have has all just begun for you, my friend. You are troubled. Yes, you are shaken. And you're torn apart from within. But you'll come to understand the beauty in all of that rather soon. I would suspect. The truth is, my friend, you are that fish that you caught. You've been caught, and you've been thrown back too. And now is the time for you to awaken from your sleep, to awaken from your past thinking that you knew far more than you did. Just as a fish can only discover water when, by an unexpected experience, it has been jerked out of the water, felt the pain and the fear, and then be thrown back into it, you too are now conscious of a disconnection that up to now was not in your awareness. You've been jerked out of an unconscious norm into a new perspective. For you, it's like being caught with your mental pants down. You've read a thousand books, You've attended hundreds of seminars. You've listened to more presentations than you can remember, and you still just don't get it. All that information has floated through your head as you sorted out what you wanted to know and what you wanted to keep, what you wanted to throw away, and what you didn't want to consider at all. And all of you, the information that you wanted to throw back, pardon the pun, but do you know why? You've categorized, categorized and labeled everything that you think you know. When did your heart stop yearning to know a deeper truth? Those that you fear but are not willing to admit that your mind cannot grasp by itself. You are like the fish, the fish that is satisfied with what's familiar, satisfied with externals filed neatly in your brain. Yours, too, has been a world of externals because while you have entertained more thoughts in your mind than there are fish in the ocean, you've yet to take the longest of all human journeys, the trek from your head into your heart. Perhaps you've taken the first step with your choice to go fishing. You are more like the fish that has been caught and then thrown into a very small pond. The ocean is far beyond its consciousness there, in that place of smallness, that pond is in your, your mind, your prison, if you will. It is far easier to stay in that pond and think you know what the whole world is like. You do not. How much do you know? I mean, of all that there is to know, 
all that the biologist knows, all that the geologist knows, the oceanographer, the chemist, the astrologer, the botanist. Do I need to go further? Of all those scientists, they know what they know individually and collectively, together with a hundred branches of science and philosophy, what percent of all that information do you personally know? One percent? Of course not. One one hundredth of one percent? Absurd. Einstein himself said that if we were to put together all the knowledge of all scientists from all time, we'd only be on the fringe of all that is possible for us to know. So, if you could even qualify to be on the fringe of the fringe, how much do you know, my friend? How big is your self-made aquarium? And how long are you willing to be so confined? There are three main factors to the aquarium syndrome that can trap people in very small places. It's necessary for us to understand the trap in each one of them and choose to live beyond and above every one of them. In surrendering to them, we lose our own self. The first trap is enslavement to religion. In surrendering to them, we lose our own self. The first trap is that beyond religion is the fact that all religions are but fabricated lies of fearful men who desperately need to control others so they can feel better about their own life and what they think is true. Religion is nothing more than a worship of fear in so many cases. And beliefs are the fake substitute for shame, blame, and soul-twisting pain that comes from condemnation like a fish flopping desperately in the bottom of the boat. People sing hymns, worship belief, shout hallelujah, and pretend it's all real. But flopping around for Jesus is not the answer to their self-created aquarium of pain. Now this one, you mostly overcome, but the other two present a challenge for you, my friend. It's time for the break. I'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Liberating Jesus from Christianity. Available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. And so our atheist friend has taken upon himself a new adventure, honest enough to say, yeah, I want to try that. Yeah, that's great. I honor every person in their lives who say, I have never done that. I need to question that. I need to check this out. I need to find out more. It's the only way we learn. And so I challenge all of you, myself is included all the time, I never choose to say, I know this for sure. <laughs> I just can't. Because sure enough, in the next week or two or whatever, maybe the next hour, there's something else that will be added to my uh, file cabinet of information, shall I call it. No, none of us know enough to believe in some silly male god up in the sky that wants to burn everybody. And none of us know enough to throw that all away and say there is nothing just because that one wasn't true. My friends, there's more inside of you than you have yet to discover. So let's continue. The second factor in the aquarium syndrome, as I call it, is capitalism. Capitalism is the lie that says, I have the right to catch you. I have the right to kill you. I have the right to eat you if I want. You are caught in the worship of a three-dimensional world of goods and services, corporate greed, beer, sports, politics, and television. The God of the visible has ensnared you and me when we are compelled to compete with others for everything that we have or want. Competition is the false energies that is only found in a cheap, predatory capitalism. Without money, what would there be to, to compete for? Position, yes. Power, yeah, probably. But with the existence of money in capitalism and the power that men see they can grab if they just grab enough of it and push other people out the window, it's a tragedy for sure. Individualism has given birth to competition instead of cooperation. The God of the visible ensnares everyone who are compelled to jump into competition. Having a houseful of something is not a substitute for having a heartful. Do fish hoard worms? Driving a fancy car is never to be desired over walking in the woods. No, I think I would say that every time. I've driven some really nice cars, but they hold nothing for me. The best car I ever drove was a 1956 Chevy, and it was one beautiful car. But of course, I was still, at that time in my life, lost in the obtaining of things. But a walk in the woods to these days is far more beautiful. Spinning our wheels in a greedy acquisition of things is worth far less than certainty in a quiet place around us and deep within. There are more than three dimensions, my friends. Perhaps one day we'll become tired of the desert of things and look beyond just the usual three. 
And so the man of the dream continues, and he says, the third factor in the aquarium syndrome is wherein lies your greatest blindness. That factor is the worship of the mind as seen in a dependence upon philosophy and or thinking as the only way to know something. No philosophy or mind exercise could ever teach you what fish tastes like, and you still know you you don't know because you've only tasted one kind. And in that light, philosophy is the worship of ignorance, wherein one is caught on the hook of being satisfied with less than all that is possible to know. No fish floats around saying it doesn't believe in air, but then does it believe in water either? And how do you know? No one can say they believe in something they've not yet discovered nor can they disbelieve. And therein is the mental trap of the philosopher, or atheism, as you like to call it. Atheism is only the absence of a belief in theism, which is a man-made doctrine of very insecure men who have found it necessary to organize a church and attempt to create some validity for their own belief system. Atheism is but the choice to refuse to be deceived by theology, and that's a very good choice. However, there are many other kinds of atheists with different value systems of their own. Some keep seeking to know beyond belief. Others do not. Then there's the fundamentalist atheist. Oh, yes, they're out there. He's the one that boldly proclaims, I know there is no God. You know it too, but you won't admit it. (laughs) Then there's a close cousin of the atheists, who have gone beyond the old theism to admit they just don't know. It's the agnostic. And that word, many usually pronounce agnostic, is not the correct pronunciation. The G is silent, as it is in gnosis or gnostic. So those who say they don't know are agnostics. Those who have thrown theism out the window are atheists. But in their circles, there are some fundamentalist agnostics who rather boldly declare I don't know, you don't know, and no one else knows either. To them I simply reply, how is it possible that you know that I don't know? Silence is usually the response. The truth is, both the atheist and the agnostic are hiding the same issues. Like the fish who has never discovered water, in one moment they fear there is a God, and the next they fear there isn't. It is theirs in their unknown parts of themselves. It is their unknown landscape that holds their true identity. But you know, that scares them too in a very deep way. Those caught in the trap of religion are exactly like both of them. Having traded the spiritual reality and the truth therein, they too reject what they don't know or have not yet understood. In all their religious activities, the futile attempts to rid themselves of fear, they refuse to look deep within, not knowing that fear is in the head, but maybe other places too, but usually it starts in the head, while truth lies deeper in the heart. They falsely label intuition as the voice of the devil, the religious people do that is, and by that they miss the beauty of serendipity staring them in the face. All three 
deny the divine within, because in their brains they cannot find the divine. In the desert of religion, capitalism, and philosophy, you find people who are like fish in a lake that are dying of oxygen thirst, having never denied or having actually denied that water is real. If we deny something is real but we're in the midst of it, how can we deny that it's real? When will we wake up to understand that we're right now in the midst of something that we have not yet understood? Taken aback by the words of this unknown guest, the atheist responded, How do you know so much about me? You've told me more about myself than I've heretofore experienced. Can that be? How can that be? Why? And with that, the stranger lowered his hood with the words that totally shocked the atheist. I am you, he said, and the dream ended. Now, quite honestly, I'd like to say that I have more in common with my atheist friends than with many Christians or religious people. My experience with them is that their minds are far more open than the Christian mind is many times in, in my experience. I used to be one, I know. The closing paragraphs in, in this story reveal the deeper truths that I've discovered over the last 20 years, and I'm still learning. Humans have come up with many different names for, for deity, for a god, for some spirit or whatever, the source of all that is. And also, many different descriptions of how to see and what to expect from that invisible creature, whatever that is. God, in quotations, is the most common name for all Western people, and a very harsh-sounding one as that. It's no wonder so many people have reacted very negatively to the Christian's God, not only because of how they describe him, how they say he is supposed to act and why he is so angry at all of us. Perhaps the Christians and their God is the biggest reason there are so many atheists and agnostics on the planet. And to that one, it's called Allah, the behavior of so many of his followers, and we find in that but another reason to be an atheist. If these two were only the only possibilities, I too would be an atheist, for I cannot and will not relate to the masculine deities who are angry at the whole human race and demand that we worship them. No, people always create some god in their own image. That's just the way it is. They never see something and describe it. They say, well, gee, this is the way God has to be, so therefore I'm going to write about that or preach about that or whatever. And so often, even what's called the Bible, all the stories that are there are stories that are told by people who are trying to create some kind of God. I've asked a lot of people, did your God say it was okay to uh, commit adultery? Oh, oh, no, no, no. No, that's, that's, that's sinful. Did your God say that it was okay to kill people? Oh, no, 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 that's, thou shalt not kill. That, that's the way it is. And I said, well, then why did later in your Bible your same God tell the people to go out and slaughter men, women, children, 
and babies. Yes, it's there. And then I, I remind them, he also said in Numbers chapter 35, I believe it is, he said, and after you kill everybody else, when you find a cute little virgin or two or three, just don't kill them. Take them home for yourselves. My friends, that is in the Bible. And if you want to know exactly where that is, send me an email and I'll give it to you. Yes, that same God that says, do not kill, do not uh, commit adultery, said, go ahead and kidnap these girls and rape them, have your fun with them, and then later, and when you're finished with them, just discard them, th just throw them away, let them go with their lives already ruined. There are many more of those kind of things in the religious person's Bible. Right now, we got time, time for another break, and we'll be right back you, with you for the last segment of today. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian Healing the Shame and Fear from Man Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the word hell or sin liberating jesus from christianity available right now on amazon.com the voice america seventh wave channel seek greater awareness you are listening to beyond religion your life is waiting if you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. We call life. There are many, many experiences that we come across. Many facts, many false truths, many pockets of information. And what are we supposed to do with all this? There's only one we, the thing that I can do with it, and that is I have to keep learning. I have to keep saying, hmm, now there's a new bit of information. I wonder what that means. How does that fit with everything that I think I know today? Because every day in my experience, there is something presenting itself that will take me further down the path of knowing more, being more, living more, celebrating more 
I am never finished with learning, ever. And so there's so many times there are, you know, that the religious people say, no, I've got the answer. It's my religion and that's it. And nothing, everything else is not true and on they go. And then there's an atheist that comes along and says, no, you don't. I have the truth. There's nothing. And I know there's nothing. Nobody's proved to me otherwise. And yet, right there is an interesting problem. Because for the atheist that says, I believe in nothing and that's my truth. My friend, you have nothing than just another belief. You choose to believe a negative belief of, of nothing. Instead of saying, gee, I don't have any evidence either way, but I need to keep learning. I need to keep growing. I need to not just push everything off on the, on the floor and say, no, there is no God. There's no divine spirit. There's no source of life, blah, blah, blah. And I say, how do you know that you don't know? Are you like the fish spending all your time in the water? Haven't yet discovered water? Are you the human that spent all their lives actually moving around in within the presence of the divine itself, the source of our life? Every breath we take, everything we do, everything that's a part of life is a part of this divine being that is totally love. So we need to get past and get rid of the old religious ideas of punishment. That's just self-righteous crap. I'm better than you, so God's going to punish you and not me. No, sorry, Charlie Brown. But there's so much more to know. So much more to free ourselves from. So I like what Madeline Murray O'Hare said many years ago. Most of you maybe don't remember that name, but decades ago she was the one of the most prominent atheists in the whole world. And one thing I appreciated about her, though I don't remember exactly how I felt about an atheist back then, probably wasn't very nice, but anyway, but she said something that I could never forget. She said, I'm not going to tell you that you know something or don't know something. And you're not going to tell me that I know something or don't know something. But here's my point, she said. I am willing to live my life, make my decisions, go on my way, go here, go there, live today, live tomorrow, next week, next year. I'm willing to live as if there were none. And as far as I know, she lived her life that way, which is one of the most honest statements I think an atheist can make. What happened to her later in life? I have no clue. But I do know that we're all here to learn how to be a fish that discovers water. Then there's a vast number of other names and understandings for whatever this God or Allah or whatever uh, fall far short of being. The word creator. Well, did everything get created? Did it just suddenly appear? The, the whole universe, the va vast number of stars and galaxies, billions of galaxies. And, and I mean, when I study that and look at that, I, it just, it blows your mind. The universe. What is the universe? Did it just happen? The Almighty is another name. Or Krishna, uh, some religions use that name. Or Elat, or Elohim, and on and on the list grows. Not one of these names, nor any name, 
can reveal or contain all of what that one source of all life everywhere is like. Nor do we need to know, even if we could, the point being that it's enough to go on the quest to begin to understand who we are, our own fishness, our own environment that we would call water or air. We are on a quest to know, and we don't have to shrink back. We can simply say, well, today I don't know. Tomorrow, I think I'll know more. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to learn more. I know when I first began to learn about what Yeshua, Jesus, taught about in the Aramaic about the kingdom, queendom of heaven is within you. And the very powerful teachings where he says, you are the divine in human form. I didn't know what to do with all that. I said, well, that's interesting, but I don't know that. And then, as I kept learning and growing, I learned more. Then I experienced more. And then I learned some more. And there's still books stacked up around me all the time and things that I need to explore because I do not yet know all that I will know. And the point being again is that it is enough to go on the quest to begin to understand for that is the quest of a lifetime. To wander as we wander to say, wow, I wonder if this is true as we wander about this thing we call life. Wandering here, wandering there, I don't have to know anything today. I don't have to know anything tomorrow. I can just wander and I can check it out and I can find this part of, a, of an answer. I can find the next part of an answer. And someday those two fit together or one of them falls apart and I learn more. Far beyond anything external, Will that be some God, your career, the lawn that needs mowing? It is the reality of who you are, who others are, and what you are doing about it that counts. The great issue for all of humanity is to understand that religion has driven a huge wedge between them and love. Love for self and love for others. We must reject remoteness, shun separation. We must eschew external deities and a rise to personal responsibility as never before. It's easy to get lost in beliefs. It's easy to get lost in not knowing. And in that place where humans come, or become rather an island unto their own self, that kind of freedom can also become an aquarium that is far, far too small. Part of our task is to soften all of ourselves that have become rigid, the parts of ourselves that are not flowing freely, the parts of ourselves that have restricted us to our own ego. The biggest challenge for all of us as human beings is to learn to live beyond and step beyond the ego, step into our higher self, ask questions we've never asked before, Step out of that aquarium that's far too small and live like you've never lived before. Part of our task is to soften beyond that the, the parts that become rigid, but the parts that have restricted us to a very, that very small place. Most people live in a place that's way too small. 
as we learn how to free what's been imprisoned, to open to what we have shut out, to our own small reality, and to restore that inner garden that we've not been watering, we begin to gain wisdom on a far larger scale than we've ever known. There's nothing smaller, more cramped than the mind of the man who thinks that he has all the answers and loves to make sure others realize that. The God of intelligence is a sorry replacement for wisdom. In your quest to know deeper truths, there are many sources for you to, to check out, many books that you can check out, many things that you can come to know. And I really recommend so many books that I know have answers. Not every author has all the answers by any means, but any belief system that doesn't include a healthy perspective on us as human beings, the human shadow, and all that we need to transform within is simply not giving us the full truth. So my friends, wherever you are today, believer, atheist, or whatever, I challenge you to find more of the beauty of yourself. I'll catch up with you next week. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.